I'm yeah. not exceptionally good at any one particular thing. There's things I'm really good at, but generally I'm a jack of all trades. Also, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur and you're solo, you don't really have a lot of capital to get things done by other Agreed. people. You're forced to learn it on your own. We're around like a 40% return customer rate. Like one thing we do is like when we get the chance, we'll split test emails. This is The Retention Road, a podcast that uncovers actionable retention strategies for your D2C brand. Deb interviews the top in-house retention marketers to help you increase repeat purchase rate, drive customer loyalty, and build community. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Retention Road Podcast. Today I have Taylor Fraser with me, the marketing director at Outplay Socks, which is a $10 million brand and on its way to become a $100 million brand in the next few years. Taylor, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate, appreciate it. How's it going? It's good. Yeah. As we were just sort of establishing, it's a, the time zone differences. It's a night for me and morning for you. So I'm just yep. ending my day. And I guess you're just starting it. So I am, I am just starting it. Absolutely. I just had my breakfast a while back. It, it's uh, yeah, I'm a bit heavy also. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Awesome. Uh, where, whereabouts are you? I'm on uh, Vancouver Island. So it's just a, a small Island off the West coast of uh, Vancouver, just in Canada. Okay. So we're kind of situated below the border, very close to Seattle, Washington, kind of just uh, right, yeah. nestled into the Puget Sound. And yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's beautiful here. It's very moderate climate, really nice Canadian weather, and just highly recommend coming out this way if you, if you ever get the chance. Amazing. I will definitely visit. One of my teammates is also based out of Vancouver, and he says that Vancouver oh. is the only place where uh, it doesn't like snow as crazy as the rest of Canada. So... Yeah, we don't get like there's some years we don't get snow at all. The last few oh, wow. years we, we get we get a little bit, um, but it right. lasts like four or five days and then it's gone. So it's just enough to enjoy it, and then it's that it's is out amazing. Of the way. That is amazing. yeah, it's good. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, so uh, retention podcast, lots to discuss. Uh, but before we dive into that, Taylor, could you give me a brief intro about yourself and the brand you're working? I've been involved with marketing and you know sort of online ventures for you know over ten years now. I got a background in affiliate marketing, app development, and some other ventures that I've done. And then uh, in 2019, I got involved with Outway Socks, and I've been there ever since. It's coming up on four years this summer. So yeah, I've just uh, always been involved with uh, digital real estate, online, ad copy. I, I have a little bit of a background in programming and now web development and stuff. So I've kind of just had my hands in many different things, took lots of swings in my 20s and uh, tried lots of different different stuff and always was kind of entrepreneurial by nature. And yeah, I just found a brand that really aligned with uh, the things that I that I like to do. And yeah, here I am. Amazing. You you are, you know, one of those rare individuals who are multi, uh, multi-talented and you are good at uh, great, like good at a few things, great at a few more things. I, I, I love speaking to you folks. It's It's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like master of none, really. Like you're, I'm, I'm not better than a master of one, though. Exactly, than, right? Yeah, like I'm not, I'm yeah. not exceptionally good at any one particular thing. There's things I'm really good at, but right. Generally, I'm a jack of all trades, and um, that's because everything interests me. And also, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur and you're solo, you don't really have a lot of capital to get things done by other Agreed. people. You're forced to learn it on your own because you're short on money. So you're kind of forced to learn these things. So uh, yeah, I've, I've, I, I really, I, I prefer being a jack of all trades, even though sometimes I am jealous of people that are like really like wizards at certain things, but yeah. I, I completely agree. I also prefer that. It's, it's fun to try your hands on different things. 
Yeah. Awesome. So give me a little bit of uh, background uh, of how Outway started and what's the, what is the brand does? It's, it's a, it's a socks brand primarily. So uh, how did it scale and everything? Yeah. The brand started in 2016. Um, we're a performance sock brand. We make the world's most comfiest, versatile socks for any occasion. Just like as the industry has sort of leaned into athleisure wear, um, as that kind of progressed, we just felt like socks were kind of a miss missing piece that were just overlooked by so many brands. And we kind of jokingly say like, you know, we're trying to be the yoga pant of the foot, so to speak. And, uh, you know, you see brands like Lululemon where, you know, people are wearing athletic clothes just to work now. And it's a very, very popular clothes that can kind of like transition from your workday into right into the gym. And that's kind of what we want to do is make a sock that um, was able to sort of follow you with the transition of the day. You could wake up and go to a work meeting with it. You could spend all day in the sock. You could, you know, walk around and then end up at the gym that night and you could just not have to remove your socks at all. They just, they perform all day. So that was kind of the goal behind that. And yeah, our socks are great for anything really, whether you're going for a run or a ride, or you just want to go for a walk and hang out, or, you know, maybe it's your lucky pair of socks that you wear to your wedding. It's just, we wanted to kind of have that one sock that you could really rely on for anything. That That is brilliant. A sock brand that really 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 cares about what happens to your feet what goes into your feet uh amazing and I, i've seen like such re, you know great reviews on twitter itself I, i'm not in like you know all the facebook groups i'm sure there are more people talking about it but just on twitter alone in dvc twitter everyone's like oh you gotta get get yourself now for shop it's like yeah it's uh, a, it's amazing it's very popular in the twitter sphere it's like a lot of a lot of DTC people really like enjoy our socks and you know, DTC people really support other brands and they like, they like picking up on other that. people just like we do. And so yeah. it's really cool to see the support and, you know, a lot of people like think it's just socks and um, because they're so used to wearing the socks they've been wearing, maybe they get them at like the department store or like they're kind of more average socks, cotton socks, things like that. But I think like the moment of truth really is like when they put our socks on, they kind of that clicking moment where they're like, okay, I get it now. Like these are exceptionally comfortable. I really like these. Or they go do a, an activity that wouldn't, they would normally get sweaty feet in and they're like, my feet are dry. And so um, it, unfortunately, like the, the best way to experience, like understand it is really just wear them. But yeah, we're super proud of what we've built. Amazing. Do you folks ship internationally? Because I I, I now want a couple of pairs, please. <laughs> so I mean, we won't like, we won't stop you. Um, I can probably try to make that happen. Uh, it's just that anytime you try to ship internationally, it becomes really expensive. And so it's not worth really our time at the moment to be trying to of actively course. sell the international just because it's like such expensive, slow shipping. But right. there are people we have, you know, brand loyalists that don't care. They're like, I need these socks and then we'll ship them to crazy places around the world or they'll travel or they'll move and or, or they'll move away. And then they're, you know, or we're getting socks from some random place that we're, you know, they're spending 80 bucks to ship it to. So I'm sure we could probably try to make it happen, but um, again, we'll just have to see what that cost looks like. So, of course, of course, we can discuss yeah. the details later for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, great. Uh, great intro. Uh, we we heard all about Outway. Uh, everyone's crazy about it, but I'm crazy about retention. So, can you talk to me about what the overarch, uh, overarching retention strategy is at Outway? Yeah, I mean, I guess like from the simplest form, like our overarching strategy is just higher LTV with our customers. Like, can we keep customers purchasing more frequently and for longer periods of time? Like, you know, we have a performance side of our business and we have the retention side. And once someone becomes a customer and they enter into like our ecosystem, like how do we nurture those people? How do we create a connection with those people? 
how do we make them feel incentivized and excited about our products and basically just almost like making them feel like a part of the part of the brand or part of the family, so to speak. So really like retention is just kind of like really just nurturing a connection with with people and trying to identify what people are really loyal. And like a lot of like a lot of brands will have, you know, a large percentage of their customers will be return customers, but probably like 20% of those return customers are driving like 80% of those sales. Like there's, there's a very small percentage of those people in your list that are exceptionally good customers. And so being able to find more of those people and then really show appreciation to those people is kind of like what we're all about with our retention. And then also just giving the the window lookers behind the scenes. So it's not just like about selling and it's not just about the email list, but you know, if someone stops by or sees an ad and clicks through and checks our social out, like what, what's their first impression of us? What do they think of us? Do they, do they, you know, at least if they're not going to purchase, we want people walking away and not thinking bad of us, basically. Like, you know, they, they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And maybe they, they're just not ready to buy. And that's a, that's another thing too, is like, you know, not everyone's going to have purchase intent when they run into these, you know, sort of social channels, but you want to be like top of their mind when they are ready to buy. So um, yeah, that's basically just nurturing connections and making sure that anyone that stops by to have a look at us gets the, um, we put our best foot forward and show them what we're all about. Brilliant. Uh, you, you sound, you folks sound like you really, really, really care about your customers as opposed to, you know, uh, other $10 million brands that we see in the market. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit because we'll come back to, to a few points that, uh, that were like, you know, really interesting. Can you highlight one retention tactic or one retention strategy uh, or campaign that really, really you know, worked well? And uh, and you're like, whoa, this uh, we didn't expect this. We expected something, but we didn't expect this. Um, yeah, like I would say, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like at least for us, is that Black Friday is obviously like a really successful campaign for us. We, we have a lot of, we do a lot of sales during Q4, whether it's our holiday sale or Black Friday sale. So we, we put a monumental effort into our Q, end of Q3 and Q4. So we really pull out all the lever, pull on all the levers for that kind of stuff. We, we try everything we can to make sure that we're getting the most out of our audience and making sure everyone knows the sales on and like, you know, making them feel excited for getting a good deal, you know, at the at, like during that sales time. So yeah, I would say like our biggest, most successful campaigns are obviously the, the Black Friday ones, but something that, um, you know, like winning strategies that like we try to follow is making people feel almost like they're getting in on something that maybe making people feel as though they have an in and no one else does. A lot of people kind of look at their email list, so to speak, as like, it's a group of people, but really it's actually like a group of individuals. And so a lot of brands will almost like message their list as though it's like this, they're saying it to the whole group, but we kind of talk to people more on an individual level and make them feel like they're in on something. For example, one thing you can do is like send out an email and say, Hey, like click this button and you'll be added to a VIP list for our black Friday sale. And the person's going to click because they don't want to miss out. It's like FOMO, but really what they're doing on that click is kind of adding them to a segment that's already going to get the email anyways, but it makes them feel like they're a part of something. It makes them feel like they're in on something that's other people aren't. And what it really does is actually like thanks them for their viewership on the email. So they feel like, Hey, like because I clicked into this email, I benefited from it. So therefore when I get more emails, 
I, I don't want to miss it because I don't want to miss out on these kind of things. And so, yeah, just like uh, I would say something that has worked really well for us is just speaking to the people using zero party data, using as much data we can on each profile and having more of a conversational um, like uh, communication with these people. Okay. Uh, pulling on that BFCN thread, of course, it's the biggest time of, uh, of the year for any DTC brand and they make you know, tons of tons of sales. One problem that, that I see happening is retaining that huge influx of users because you, you didn't have them before. So how do you retain them, specifically speaking to the BFCM segment? Yeah, for us, like Black Friday is actually like a really big retention play. Um, I'm not exactly sure how other brands do like during Black Friday as far as like what part portion of it is new customer and return customer. We have a massive amount of return customer on uh, Black Friday. So a lot of these people are already in our funnel there. We've had Black Fridays where we've done like, you know, multi seven figure revenues in very short periods of time and, and almost like minimal marketing budget has gone into it just purely off emails. So it's not like that with every brand, but we have built a really, really strong like foundation and community of people that are just really, really enjoy the socks. You know, socks are something that, you know, it's it's like a luxury item, but at the same time, it's kind of a necessity. So there's a decent amount of frequent purchasing, like, you know, around a hundred day window for the average person. So in Q4, as much as like we would like to say like we're filling the funnel full of new customers, it's actually a lot of returning customers. But this year, this recent year, we actually got a lot of new customers during it. We had a much better strategy going in the performance side. But yeah, it's uh, it's mostly a retained audience in, in those campaigns. So that that is interesting. Now, now that I know that, I am guessing a big percentage of your $10 million uh, runway is sorry, revenue, uh, is returning customers. What percentage is that, if you don't uh, mind sharing? And how do you ensure that it continues? Yeah, like we're around like a 40% return customer rate, uh, which is, you know, considered really good. A lot of brands That's run amazing. That's yeah, amazing. it's like anywhere from like 37 to 40. I'd say like on the year last year, it was closer to 40. So it's like a really good return customer rate. It's it's so second nature to us because the way that this brand was built, like, you know, we we did this brand did, you know, seven figures in revenue before there was really any marketing dollars being put into it. So it kind of grew from a very organic way. And so we built such a strong base that we've just always like built off of that base of really good customers and kind of treated them all the same. And so, yeah, I guess like the the one thing with return customer rate is just like making sure that you're keeping people excited about your brand. That's like new product drops. And I know that a lot of brands don't really have the ability to drop like new products all the time. It just really depends what you're selling. But, you know, we were dropping anywhere from 15 to 20 designs every 30 days. We're not doing it as frequently this year. Just uh, we've changed things up a little bit, but like always having something new and exciting on the go. Um, sometimes we bring in accessories and different apparel items that just had our branding on it. Still really good stuff, good performing stuff, but just kind of keeping people excited about what you're doing and letting them know what's going on. A lot of behind the scenes and being super transparent with how the brand's doing, how the company's doing. And people just kind of tend to, and then this, the, the second that that person feels like, oh, you know, like I should probably pick up some new socks or, you know, I got to do some gifting for some birthdays. We're just the top of their mind. They're just constantly thinking like, oh, I should, I should actually get on Outway. I just got a really good email yesterday. They're, they're, they're running like a cool promo or they just launched like new releases that look really cool. I could probably use some for this wedding I'm going to. So we're constantly like at the top of their mind. And so that's 
that's really like what goes into just like continued continued growth and return customer rate. That, that's a great strategy. Product drops with uh, and ensuring that they know about those product drops, right? Like at the right yeah. moment. So fifteen drops every year, fifteen to twenty drops every year. You said, or every week? Sorry, we uh we would we would drop about twenty different designs every thirty days. Oh wow! So. Yeah, so it was quite wow. frequent and it was like very, very busy, lots of work. Like um, anyone that's like running a brand, you know, down to like product images and descriptions and making sure the ads are go like is a lot of work that went into it. But we were just, we would be able to do it with actually quite a small team and we were just had a really efficient machine running. But this year we've kind of like put our foot off the gas a little bit and realized that, you know, the window of our typical customer is around a hundred days. So if a customer buys, you know, on day one, Right. We're dropping like 50, 60 designs between their next window of yeah, purchasing. Yeah. So, you know, in that 90 day window, there was almost like the business was folding over different designs and they would go into say last chance or we would put them into mystery pair. And so we realized like, why don't we just drop on a quarterly basis and just like have nice strong sales throughout each quarter. And then, so when people come through, there's almost more seasonal drops. That was just a tweak that we did this year. So far, so good. But yeah, I guess uh, if you have the ability to constantly keep people excited, like it's not a bad thing to uh, make make new product lines or add things. You know, if you're if you're, you know, selling pillows, then maybe try selling slippers. You know, sell bed sheets. Sell like you know, like there's all all yeah, sorts yeah. of different products you can add to your mix if you can. You guys actually have much as well, right? The other accessories that you call. Yeah, we do. We we typically have like a few items on merch. Um, we've gone through. We 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 usually do like a toque or beanie. Um, during the winter season, we do sunglasses in the summer. Sunglasses are awesome. We've done. We've had like collaborations with Buff before. We 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 sold Buffs. Buffs are kind of like a neck warmer. Um, yeah. it's kind of more of a skiing thing. I actually didn't really know much about Buff until <laughs> some we were doing one, and then and then I knew. But um, yeah, we always try to keep a couple, like two or three performance accessories. We have some stuff coming up the pipeline this year really exciting stuff, but uh, I guess you'll have to wait to see that. Okay. So uh, just pulling on that thread a little bit more. And uh, this is a question like in general also, does March or accessory that are like not really your product, but complimentary to it, add anything to the top line as well as repeating customers? Yeah. Like I would say there's like there's keeping your customers excited, but then there's also just like the the general like AOV, like trying to get your average order value up. And so um, obviously if you're selling, you know, like a beanie, that's a really good way to possibly just push the order slightly, you know, upwards, especially if you have like tactics on the website, good CRO that, you know, upsells it to them, maybe at the thank you page, or maybe it does it in the drawer. And there are ways that you can sort of, you know, like if our average pair of socks is $20, like you know, what's that mean for us to maybe sell them some outweigh decals on the way out the door that they can put on their skateboard and their helmet? You know, we get impressions with the the decal for, you know, for nothing. And we we bump their order up by, you know, five or 6%. So like small things like that really, really do help. We, we have noticed that like the more products we've offered that we've noticed that the AOV has just continually gone in this like upwards growth pattern. When we first started, all we really sold was crew socks. We just have like the just a slightly below the calf, you know, average sock. And then um, we were selling uh, mid height. And then finally we introduced ankles quite late actually um, for a sock brand and then brought in over calf. And now we're starting to get into sports specifics. So yeah, like every single time we add more products to the mix, we start to notice that the cart values start to increase. 
that's a that's that's very interesting actually uh i'm guessing you know it also keeps the users excited the customers excited because oh cool if i own a over the cap sock i would also want an ankle sock or i would want you know football sock something like that yeah and we have like height sampler packs and so we like try to get people into trying different heights like you know my whole life i wore ankle socks i just loved ankle socks and I never really wore a crew sock until I started with Outway and, you know, I like them now. And so getting people into different sock heights is important because they're like, you know, this is actually quite comfortable. I like this. And then next thing you know, they're a customer of different sock heights. Like basically like every dresser has socks in it, at least, you know, in Canada and US. And, and like we, our goal is just to f get as much real estate of that sock drawer as we can. So if someone like right now we're in the middle of dropping sports specific socks today, we dropped we dropped a merino wool hiking sock and it's actually it's it's being launched tomorrow but it's live on the website right now if you want to look and that sock has been something we've been our, our customers have wanted for a long time they've wanted an outdoor enthusiast sock that had was made of merino wool it was had strategic cushioning on it it was more padded it was rugged and durable and so for years we developed the sock and we've finally just launched it and so adding things like that for people is really important because once they have some sort of loyalty to your brand and they really like the outweigh brand as far as socks, they almost become like a type of person where they will only wear outweigh socks. And so they're almost like waiting for you to fill the rest of their sock drawer. So um, we get some people that will, they'll buy our socks and then they're like, well, for my race day socks on my runs, I'm like going to a different brand because they have a, a running specific sock. Well, Makes now sense. we're going to be launching that. So yeah. you don't longer have to go to that brand anymore. Well, we got you covered. So yeah, more more products and just taking up more real estate in the in the sock drawer. Yeah, I, I can I can see this Marino hiking crew. The design is very, very slick. I, I love it. Uh only one color though. So you're coming up with more colors, I'm guessing. Yeah, we've uh we've got six uh sports specific socks that we're launching over the next three to four weeks. Man, um, seven seven reviews already. You just launched amazing. Yeah, we got we we had some we did some pre-sales on it and uh we okay. got them out okay. to we seeded the market a little bit and got them out to some people. And uh yeah, we asked them to give us their honest feedback and that those are probably the reviews you're seeing now. So all five um, stars. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, the people are really liking them. We got a lot of good feedback on them. And in fact, like I was one of the test pilots for them. I went I went skiing over the over this uh, Christmas break and I wore them for about three or four days of skiing. And I, I genuinely have never been more excited about a sock just because I'm excited for us as a brand that we're providing that. But I didn't I would have expected that sock to need to go into the wash like after the first day of skiing being in ski boots. But I legitimately wore them four days in a row without washing them. And I know that's not something I should be bragging about, but they, 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 <laughs> but they really they really did well. And I was super impressed with them. So when I came back, I was like, I'm really excited for dropping this sock because I genuinely love them. So yeah, I just want everyone to experience that. And we're going to be uh, launching uh, a number of them. We're going to be doing like a running sock and some cycling socks, tennis sock, and even a skiing compression sock. So really, really exciting stuff. We've been working really hard on it and doing all the right things and listening to our customers. So I think I think those are all of them are gonna do really really well, and especially if you're launching hockey socks in Canada, they are they have to do well, right? Yeah, um, we don't have hockey socks in this launch, but that's definitely something we talk about. I mean, it's we're yeah. Canadians, so it's probably rude not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty twenty three. It should be easy to work with creators by now. Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, scouring databases, and still paying for inauthentic content. That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app 
that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your brand. Yeah. Incentivize your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Those who get paid on a CPM basis, all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. So start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store. Simply visit bounty.co to book a demo. That's bounty.co to book your demo today. I, I agree, I agree. Awesome, yeah. So uh, I, uh, again, switching the gears a little bit, We uh, one of the points you mentioned was email was a major, major driver for revenue, reaching customers, all of it. Can you talk to me a little bit about your email strategy, right from acquisition to retention? And if you could get into more specifics, what kind of emails you send, what's the design like, what's the copy like that? Yeah, I think um we try to, I mean, we go through different phases. I mean, I we're always a work in progress with our email. Like we don't, we don't necessarily like this is the way we do things and that's how we'll always do them. Like we can constantly have evolutions within the brand. I mean, the way that we email people and communicate with people is completely different than it was a year ago, if not like three months ago. And so we're always constantly questioning what we're doing and really just like asking ourselves, like, what are the principles like that we're following? Like, what's the goal for this email? Um, I guess like really how we acquire emails is through the pop-up on our website and through purchases. So that's like our main, that's, that's mainly what fills the hopper. But like, as, as far as like sending out campaigns, we try to have somewhat of a schedule. So like having a schedule keeps us like accountable to make sure that we're sending out a newsletter, like at least like, you know, a couple times a week. Sometimes it's three times a week. The campaigns themselves, like um, we just always try to make sure that they're very well designed. We have a really, really talented email designer and he he just makes like incredibly nice artboards. And then we just have like a great copywriter that makes sure that um, we're speaking like a customer and really getting to the point and just like questioning everything we're doing. Like, is this delivering the most amount of information with the least amount of reading? And is it really like, is there like a clear objective and is have a really strong CTA? And obviously the, the most important thing that a lot of people don't talk about, which is just the subject line and the preview text. So um, yeah, we just, we follow like really basic principles, but at the end of the day, like we just make sure that ever like we're not sending out an email for the sake of sending out an email, but we're actually sending an email that can give the user like some value. Amazing. Can you give me one specific example of an email that like, you know, literally blew your mind? Like, wow, this, this is amazing. Well, like one thing we do is like, when we get the chance, we'll split test emails. We don't always do it, but um, we will. Right for a while especially before ios uh rules changed with email we were we were split testing like all of our subject lines and like trying to establish what stuff was working the best because th since they took away the open rate we weren't really able to gauge like what stuff is working really well because you can only see click rate and so we would like we would split test the subject lines and then start to hypothesize like what stuff is causing like the the the, the most amount like the best ctr basically and so um, we split test that. And then another thing that we split test is like, we, say if we have a new release, um, we'll split test the design itself. We'll make an email that's really long and robust and almost like complicated in design. There's lots of bells and whistles and there's like a catalog and lots of buttons in it. And, you know, what you would normally expect from a brand. And then we would make one email where it was like one hero image, one CTA. And then it just said like new releases. And what we found is that the 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 emails that were simpler in design actually outperformed the ones that were more complicated. People like it, it all it also depends on the offer. I mean, in this case, we were dropping new socks. So we would be like, 
check out our new releases, just click the button and you can just see them where the other one was like showing some of the new releases. And so maybe people would get a taste for it and kind of back out like, oh, I'm not going to click through. I kind of just saw like a peek of it. But yeah, we we would notice that the the more simple and to the point, the the better the performance. And then that's uh, then there's a whole new strategy that goes into kind of like subject line and preview text too. But that that, that is interesting because uh, there is a there is a saying in copywriting: clear is better than clever, right? So yeah, keep things clear, keep things simple. I think that that generally works better. Uh, of course, you can experiment, but that's about it. I would like to, you know, dive a little bit deeper into the retention side of email marketing, right? So what kind of emails do you send to keep customers coming back? What kind of emails do you send to keep them loyal? What kind of SMS do you send to keep them coming back and keeping them loyal? Yeah, I guess um, one thing we try to lean on as much as we can is like our flows. So I think there are a lot of brands that will probably rely on campaigns a lot. They'll be sending out campaigns to their newsletter. It's kind of like where flows can do that more. It's just more intelligent to send out flows because when you're sending out a campaign, you're basically sending it at a certain time and you're, you're assuming that the time you're sending it is the most optimal time for every single person on that list. But when you're sending out a flow, you're sending it on like actual triggers that make more sense per user. So we try to like build out our flows as much as we can. Like every single time we're sending something, we always ask ourselves like, can we automate this? So if we're sending out an email to people that made a purchase um, 30 days ago and we wanna check in to be like, hey, um, how are your socks doing? Would you like to give us a review? If you give us a review, then take 10% off your order and it's good for the next three or four days. Like you wouldn't want to send that in a campaign. You'd want to send that in automated flow. So I think like leaning on our flows is something that we've done really well with and in, in, in keeping our customer because we're emailing them at more opportune times for them. And it feels like a little bit more, it feels more engaging because they've maybe gone on the website and seen something and we're actually emailing them that like more relevant content versus just six in the morning, they're getting an email being like, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. And it's kind of, it, it falls on deaf ears. It's so, annoying also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like, a, it's just a good mix of kind of like emailing, meeting people where they're at and emailing them at the correct times to retain the customers. Like a lot of people, like it's kind of like a, something, there's some people that will, they'll, they'll say like, you know, send an SMS a certain amount of times every week. And for us, like we kind of, we try not to, to abuse the SMS too much. Um, SMS is very personal. You're getting a text message to your inbox. A lot of people, if you are on texting terms with someone, you typically know them quite well. You're having private, intimate conversations with people in your text messages. So when you start to get marketing communications in that same inbox, if you do it too often, it can really have like a bad impact on, on your list. So we really try to make sure that when we're SMSing people, we're giving them the most important thing. And we achieve that either through flows or we just make sure that we're only sending out campaigns when it's really, really important. So we um, launched our hiking sock today. So we will send an SMS to a certain relevant segment of people that we did drop the hiking sock, but we're not always echoing everything we're saying in SMS. So yeah, just, just being really careful, engaging, like how often you're communicating with people, because I would rather email someone one time a year 
and they click it, then have them unsubscribe. Makes a ton of sense. Protecting the uh, health of your email and SMS list is very, very important, especially for the EC brands and with ads, you know, skyrocketing and everything. Yeah. I have I have three questions or uh, two questions with one with two parts. Okay, so one is, what's the best email flow and SMS flow that you have done so far and that has driven consistent results, right? And second is, how does email and SMS uh, sync together? Like, you know, three emails, one SMS, or what's the uh, what's the synergy there? I would love to know that. Yeah, I'd say like our, our best flows are like the really obvious ones is just like a card abandonment and browse abandonment are really like a high performer or like a check, any sort of abandonment where you're winning them back. Those ones do really well. Our highest like revenue is typically our welcome flow, which is just People are entering the list to get a discount code on their first order. That's a super popular one. That's where we make like most of our flow revenue. I would say like those are the most important. Um, the ones that typically do pretty good is we have a really good post checkout um, flow, which is like, again, that's really important for the retention because like once someone has purchased it, the thing is like it, it's obviously difficult to get someone to buy your socks, but to get someone to buy your socks and then consider it again is that second purchase is is huge because you're you're really establishing like loyalty at that point at almost almost loyalty and then when you get to that third purchase that's when it's that customer is very very valuable that's like we take that very seriously and so that post checkout flow is actually really really important because a lot of brands will they'll do everything they can to get the sale. And then once they have the sale, they kind of like high five about the sale, but they forget that that person will more likely come back and buy more and tell their friends and share it. And there's, so it's really important to like nurture that, that journey. Once they have the socks, check in with them. Do you like them? Are you happy? Is there something we can do? Like reach out to our team for support. Um, here's some other really cool things that we're doing. You know, we noticed that this is what you purchased in your order. Like, have you tried this? Like, really um, curating that is is super important. And that's probably why we have such a high return customer rate is just that uh, once someone's made a purchase, we don't just like completely let them go and look for a new customer. We try to nurture it. So that's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, throughout this conversation so far, I can see you really, really care about the customers, which is uh, something everyone, like every customer wants. Okay, cool. So switching the gears a little bit uh, again, Rob mentioned that we folks have an affiliate program, which is pretty successful, right? Like it does six or seven figures in revenue. I don't remember the exact number. Talk to me about the affiliate program. How does that work? And how does that translate to repeat customers? Yeah, I guess um, like the affiliate program, we haven't been doing it super long. We've probably had it like, you know, four or five months kind of thing, but it's been really, it's going pretty well for us. Basically, it's a third party app that we use. We have some partners that we work with. And uh, when someone makes a purchase, they're automatically uh, given uh, their own unique code that they can share amongst their friends. Uh, they're also given a link. So they can either share a shoppable link with you, or they can just give you a code that you can manually enter. Uh, whenever someone manually enters that code or uses the shoppable link, they'll get 15% off their order. And then when they make a purchase, the person that they ref that referred it earns $15. And it's basically, they don't have to make an account. They don't have to register. It's all tied to their email address that they made the order with initially. And then uh, every single month, um, we reach out to them via email and uh, we send them the money that we owe them and they can redeem it uh, into a gift card or 
like a visa gift card, a digital prepaid card. And, you know, so if, you know, you go refer a few friends, you've got yourself, uh, you know, a nice little gift card that you can, you know, transfer it to a Starbucks gift card and you got coffee. So it's kind of cool because um, we, we've realized that like our customers are almost kind of like these ambassadors that we never knew existed. There's, you know, a lot of, a lot, lots of brands will have an ambassador program and you have to apply for it. Like, let's say the sweat collective, and you actually have to apply for this program. And a lot of people are like sharing the hell out of Lululemon, but they're not a part of any sort of program that incentivizes them to do that. So we were like, how do we take just the average customer that's really stoked about our product and give them a platform to share it so that they can be the plug for their friends? Like, hey, I have 15% off uh, for your next sock order, but then also get a reward in return for, you know, giving us a referral because, you know, nothing's free. And so um, it's been really, really cool because we've sort of found some customers that came out of nowhere really and are really running with this program and doing really really well with it and earning themselves like hundreds of dollars a month like without saying names like we've had some customers earning up to like two thousand dollars a month in affiliate incomes which is like in like insane so there's it people is. that really like their socks and you know let's say they have some sort of following or platform or influence you know they can share their code and people are like yeah these socks are awesome they get 15 percent off they're happy and then this person earns themselves affiliate commission. So it's been really, it's been been really interesting to to see that side of things. And yeah, it just makes it exciting for people, just giving people the power to uh, benefit from sharing the brand and not just doing it for free. So interesting. Okay, uh, that that's amazing. First of all, affiliate program. I, I don't know many DDC brands have actually cracked affiliate. I think you're one of them. Uh, so a question uh, on that: What percentage of these affiliate like affiliate uh, acquired customers through affiliate, uh, the customers you acquired through affiliates are returning do you, do you track that yeah do you track that i probably don't have a metric with me i could definitely get like that metric but yeah um okay. there's it's it's all uh new customers so okay. when the when the affiliate like technically there could be someone that returns but for the most part like the majority of these customers that are being referred are brand new customers to us so it's great because we're getting them again into our ecosystem of right. just now they're on our email list and now we're having communications with them and they're trying the socks really. So it's, yeah, it's a, a majority of them are new customers. And um, again, the program, the program's only a few months old. So I guess we'll have to see what the data tells us if those people return. Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing you have certain metrics that determine uh, whether your retention is working, retention strategy is working or not. What are those metrics and, uh, how do you track them through what tools? Yeah, I mean, we just use like the the Clavio's got a pretty good dashboard for um for tracking email. Like there's the, it it puts it up against like industry benchmarks, and so we can kind of get a gauge for if we're falling short on something. It'll let us know like what percentile we're in. It basically takes like your your industry and what you're selling, and and lets you know other Clavio customers and how they're doing. So you can kind of see like is my pop up conversion, you know, below industry standard or is it above and one thing that we is probably the most important to us is just really the click rate. I mean, at first it used to be open rate until iOS came in. It was just, are people opening the emails? Like number one, are they opening them? So right now we kind of go through like click rate or click through rate. So whether they're clicking the email or if they're like, you know, clicking through to the site kind of thing. So that's, that's important. Website views can be really important, like based off of, you know, the email, like, are they actually like going on there and having any, some sort of meaningful session? 
And then placed order rights really important for us. It's something that, you know, just making sure that like, do we have a high placed order rate on, on these emails? Obviously, if you send out an email, that's more brand building and more community pace based. It's not going to have like a high placed order rate because you're maybe just sharing a behind the scenes about the brand and it's, you know, or you're, you know, it's like more like a genuine news newsletter, but when we are sending out stuff with the goal of, of selling socks, then yeah, placed order rate is definitely high of high importance to us. Okay. Interesting. And uh, do you also track a repeat purchase rate, repeat customer rate? Yeah. Yeah. We track all that stuff as well. Yeah. Basically just like we have, like, we build like a custom table of all like our most important metrics and then Clavio usually is a bit delayed on those stats. So they'll like, they're yeah. usually 10 days into the next month. And so then we'll just, we'll, we have a reporting system. We'll sit down and we mark down everything and we just look what's it. We have our benchmarks and then we fill in the sheet and, you know, some stuff lights up red and some stuff lights up orange or green. And then we just look at the stuff that's red or orange. And we just ask ourselves like, what can we do to change this? Like, what's the next path forward to get this, you know, get this down or get this up? Like, you know, we'll have some months where we have a high unsubscribe rate. It's like, well, what happened? Like, where were the high unsubscribes? Like, where is it a flow? Is it a certain campaign? Like, what can we do to mitigate that? So really just keeping an eye on like, you know, the eight to 10 stats that really are the most important and just seeing if we're constantly trying to go for green. Amazing. Amazing. Do you, uh, is it, is it all in just Google Sheets, Excel, or do you use a tool for that? Yeah, we just use Google Sheets. Like we're we're pretty big. We use the Google ecosystem quite a bit with our brand. Like okay. we we have tried other apps. We've tried like, you know, monday.com and all these different like platforms, but we end up just coming back to the Google. We use Google Drive and Docs and Sheets and we have some uh we have some Sheets gurus at the office that really help especially help me out. I'm I'm multi-talented, but the one thing I'm I'm definitely not the best at is Sheets, so I'm like getting better and better as I go, but yeah, we we just use the Google ecosystem for a lot of this stuff. Amazing, amazing. Okay, uh, we are almost at time. So a couple of questions for you know people I have had actually asked me to ask you three questions really. One question was, what's your retention tech stack? Tech stack? Tech, uh, like tool stack. Oh, oh, retention tech stack. Sorry. Yeah, we use we use Clavio. Um, for scheduling, we use uh, later.com to do like all our social scheduling. We were using. Photoshop for the longest time for all the emails, but we're getting like into Figma now. That's pretty much it. Oh, and we also, we just recently um, left Clavio for SMS and we're using Postscript for our SMS. Amazing. Yeah. Postscript yeah. is a fan favorite. Um, yeah. And then for pop-ups, we're, we're using Clavio right now, but we're in the middle of uh, transferring over to Just Uno just to do a little bit more advanced kind of pop-ups. It's A-B testing and all that stuff. Yeah, Clavio does the trick. Like it's good. It, it it will get you where you need to be. But like we're at the point now where we have like all these strategies of of building the list, and Clavio doesn't really help with that. So okay, makes sense. What are the mistakes you see a young BTC brand or even a veteran BTC brand make in retention? The one thing that always is something I have to remember is like how important your subject lines are you'll see a lot of brands, they'll make these beautiful emails. Uh, they'll do a really good job. They'll design it. They'll write the copy. It's amazing. It's like this beautiful email, horrible subject lines. And then no one clicks their email and people forget that no one will see your email. No one will look at your product. No one will click through to your site unless they click the email. So to get them to click the email, you have to have the most compelling subject line because most people have a promos inbox 
and you are competing with 20, 30 promotional emails that they're getting with other brands. And you have to set yourself apart from those brands. You have to be very clear and you have to not be over the top and like all caps with a bunch of emojis. You can do that sometimes if you want, but subject lines are exceptionally important for brands that want to do well with email because you're just never going to get people clicking in the email. It's like, it's such an obvious thing, but people don't really think about it. They kind of build this beautiful email and then they write the subject line and they're like, oh, that's, that's fine. And it's like, no, you really need to think it through. Ask yourself, like, look at the previews, look at it in, in mobile. Does your preview te text cut off? Are you using too many emojis? Are you using all caps? Is it understandable? Could it be confusing? Like write out 10 of them and like go through a process. Like it's not weird to spend 30, 40 minutes nailing your subject line. And I think that's something that people overlook a lot. Oh, I completely agree. I I, I, I have seen some awful, awful uh, subject lines and I, I just delete them, honestly speaking. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I don't want to see this. It's boring. I mean, I'm already inundated with like 50 odd emails from SaaS companies, DDC companies, everyone, right? So yeah. you, you really have to be focused on that. Great tip, great tip. But but at uh, the very same time, you have to don't overcomplicate it either. Like don't sit there for an hour like stewing. It's like keep it simple, but at the same time, be thoughtful with it. Use chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you can't think of anything, I'm just I'm just kidding. Please don't. Uh, what's your what's your top advice for uh, brands who are just starting out with retention? And I'm asking this question because it's also the theme of this podcast, because there are two particular reasons why reten you know, retention is an afterthought. One, they don't know what to do, right? They genuinely don't know what to do. And second, they think retention is just sending a bunch of emails uh, after a purchase. How would you counter that? What's, uh, what's your advice for a brand thinking about thinking deeply about retention? I think the, the number one thing that I wish that I did years ago is make a Twitter account. <laughs> and find people in your industry and find people that are doing something similar to you and find people that are way better than you and obsessively follow and read your newsfeed and interact with people in Twitter. Twitter is a hack. And if you're, if, if you're on Twitter learning marketing, the chances are you're like two to three weeks ahead of most people that aren't on Twitter. And so like, I know that sounds like such a basic advice, but I really, really truly feel like all of my better ideas, my best connections, um, conversations, people I've met, anything I've learned or insights or things I've gotten has been through Twitter. You just have to start to fill your feed. And then instead of like reading a marketing book, I'll literally lay in bed and read my Twitter feed. And if I learn two or three things that change something for the next day of work, it's worth it. And so that would be the number one thing. The other thing is like not spending so much time, especially when you're in the beginning, like we're a bigger brand now. And so planning is something we have to do. We have more bodies in the office. We have more things at play. Um, the stakes are higher. We have to have strategies and plans. But like if you're starting out, don't worry so much about planning and and, and just do, just do it, just try it. And like, it, especially if you're new and like right now it should be the time when you like are testing things out and seeing what works and also like not reinventing the wheel. A lot of people will start a brand and they're like, you know, I'm going to start this like, you know, green tea company. And yeah, there are a lot of other green tea companies and it would make sense to differentiate yourself a lot and be super unique and do your own thing. But you have to do that in good time. Like 
let your product be different, but your strategy, go find other green tea companies and see what they're doing. And you don't have to copy them or steal from them, but like follow their principles because the chances are that these brands are more mature. They've been through it. They have a lot more people that know what they're doing and and they're doing something that's probably working. If you go into a Facebook ads library and you see an ad that's being run for the last six months, there's a good chance it's performing well. So try to not copy other brands, but try to emulate and and use like their principles and don't like completely reinvent the wheel. So just constantly putting stuff out there. And then eventually you will just eventually, especially with social media, you'll start to carve out a pattern and a way to do things for yourself. So you'll You'll figure out what works and what people don't like and what people do like. And honestly, if you're if you're not like cringing at something that you've done a couple months ago, then you're not really like growing. So that's like one thing for me is like if I look back at our social channels or I look back at our old emails or even our old versions of the website, I'm embarrassed. It's embarrassing for me to see it. I'm like, I can't believe I put that work forward. Like that's I I don't want anyone to ever see that. But that's constant. That will never go away. So I would say like for the beginners, just trying things and don't sit around and try to like whiteboard out like all day. Just, just get in there and yeah. just go for it. Like, you don't, you, you have nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you literally haven't started. So what, what's, uh, you know, you, you don't know what works. Absolutely. And on the Twitter thing, I'm glad because I, I literally started this podcast off Twitter. So every one of my guests are from Twitter, right? So it's, yeah. it's amazing how, developed and uh, helpful the DDC community is and everyone in DDC should be on Twitter. I absolutely agree with that. With that, uh, I don't have any other questions. So uh, this has been great. Like it's it's completely value back. I, I'm still unpacking some things in my head. I really need another episode for it. But thanks for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Where can people find you? Yeah. Um, first off, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's great it, w- through talking about what I'm doing. It like helps me reflect in some way and gives me exactly. ideas. And we met on Twitter. So there's yes. a perfect example yes. of like how good Twitter is. And I'm always down to meet on a, on a zoom call. Best way to reach out to me um, is either on LinkedIn, but typically Twitter is the best place to reach out to me. Uh, my handle is Tay Phrase, uh, T-A-Y-F-R-A-Y-S. Or you can um, you can even message the Outway Twitter. I usually am in, in that Twitter quite a bit. So yeah, that's the best way to reach out to me. I'm always happy to take questions. Uh, I'm always happy to take calls. And um, I my goal is always to sort of be like the person that I needed you know, two years ago and try to give advice to those people. And this is a really tough year to be building a brand. So anyone that's doing it is doing something quite noble. So yeah, I'm always happy to help help out and provide insights where I can. Love it, love it. That, that's the beauty of the DDC community. Everyone's uh, helping out each other and we are all growing together. Love that. Amazing. Uh, Taylor, again, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. I'll let, uh, let you know when this episode airs. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I look forward to it. So we'll talk soon. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now, isn't it? Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, scouring databases and paying for inauthentic content from creators who don't really care about your products. 
do they? That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your store. Bounty works by incentivizing your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Users get paid on a CPM basis, and all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and Spark codes in just a few clicks. Bounty also supports gifting with automated auto creation and with invite flows and links it's easy to leverage Bounty's incentive structure for any creator you want to work with. When you're ready to start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, just visit bounty.co for a demo. Once again, that's bounty.co to book your demo. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Retention Road. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or leave us a rating review on Apple and Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Bounty, for supporting the show.